Welcome to I Used to Be a Therapist. I'm so glad you joined me today for this episode. We are going to be talking about relationships and the importance of harmony and humility when we're connecting with those around us, the people that we're in relationship with. This week's oil bonus episode is going to be about the two oil blends, harmony and humility. These are some amazing oils and so helpful for times when relationships might need a little strengthening. So make sure you check that out later this week. But today I am so excited to get to share the conversation I had with a brilliant therapist from Pennsylvania, Laura Silverstein. Laura is a licensed clinical social worker who has built a practice helping people find more happiness and clarity in their lives. She has devoted her entire career to teaching people how to communicate in a more honest and productive way so that they can strengthen their relationships, even sometimes repairing old wounds. As clinical director of a small private practice, she oversees 1,000 hours of couples therapy a year, so she truly knows what works and what doesn't work. Laura is certified in the Gottman Method of Couples Therapy, and she works directly with Drs. John and Julie Gottman on their research team. And for those of you who don't know who John and Julie Gottman are, this is a very big deal. She is passionate about sharing what she knows about relationships, about the health and happiness of people. And in our conversation, she shares such great insights on relationships, humility, and harmony. I know this is going to add value to your day. Let's listen in. My name is Dr. Wendy Bruton, and I used to be a therapist. Welcome to my podcast. Leaving my career as a therapist, business owner, and counselor educator was a big risk. But now, as an author, coach, entrepreneur, and podcast host, I am fulfilling my passion to help people move forward toward an essentially better life. Each episode is filled with stories, information, and ideas that I know will be valuable to your life and to the lives you touch. So if you need a therapist or just someone who used to be a therapist, I know that this is a place that you will feel valued, valuable, and learn to move forward from what you used to be. I'm so glad you're here. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today with me, and I'm excited to have you. Thanks for coming. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for including me, for inviting me. I just am really excited about this opportunity, and I think it's great what you're doing. I think having dialogues, you know, and giving other people an opportunity to listen in to some conversations is is an exciting way to, to learn new things. That's kind of fun, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about something that you're kind of an expert on. We're going to talk about relationships and mm-hmm. harmony and humility today, specifically in, in relationships. So uh, be- before we get started on that, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, your family, all that stuff. Sure. So I am located right outside of Philadelphia and I have been married for 18 years Mm -hmm. and I've got two kids. We have two kids, a 16 year old daughter, a 13 year old son, two dogs, a cat, 
Mm. And uh, we just, you know, I feel really fortunate that we really get along legitimately, like have fun together because during COVID, it's actually, you know, we've been playing board games together and we've been going out for these long walks with the dogs together. So, you know, it's been, it, I feel really, really fortunate to just have such an awesome family. Oh, that is fun. Yeah. People have been cooped up together, right? Yeah. In a way that, that we haven't been before. True. <laughs> and so <laughs> now it's like a risk to leave. So you, <laughs> you have to go out and go, okay, is it worth it? Yeah. So that's great when you can have a place that just feels comfortable and safe and fun. So, well, you know, I've been asking people this season, because I'm talking to just all therapists this season. So why they became a therapist. You want to tell us a little bit about why you became a counselor? Oh, sure. I love that story. So it's it's funny because I'm actually a third generation social worker, oh which goodness. I don't know how common that is. Both my, I have two grandparents who were social workers. My dad is a social worker and my mom is a special ed teacher. Oh my goodness. So, we, <laughs> so I come by it honestly, right? You sure do. <laughs> um, and I feel like, you know, in my family, I was really blessed to have been given the message that you can make a difference in the world and what you do matters. And I know that not all, not everybody's so lucky to kind of have people in their lives that believe in them. And I feel like I got that. And I also saw it in my own family, what it was like to, you know, just the richness that comes from having a career where, you know, you're giving to other people and making a difference in people's lives mm -hmm. or trying to, I should say. So now you're doing this. And do you feel like, you know, as you're working and as you're in the, in your career, really kind of heavy into your career, do you feel like you're fulfilling that why? Oh, I sure hope so, Wendy. I mean, <laughs> I really, um, I really don't take it lightly what mm -hmm. I ask for, for my couples. You know, they come in and they put their relationships on a platter in mm -hmm. front of me. And I take that really seriously because I think that, you know, I owe it to them to do the best that I can do to help them out. They're trusting me mm -hmm. with their relationship. They don't know what their partners are going to say, right? Mm -hmm. At least in individual therapy, you're kind of in charge with what you say and what you don't, right? So it's very vulnerable for them to come in and ask for help. And and I I see it as a team, like the three of us kind of all all put our heads together, me with my own expertise, them being experts on their own relationship and their own patterns mm -hmm. and work together to try to make things better. And it's pretty great, you know, to see it happen, to see people sort of fall in love again, mm -hmm. people communicating, realizing how sometimes the changes that they need to make are really not life-changing changes. They can be little tweaks or little habits that they're starting to, you know, interject into their lives. And it's pretty amazing when you see it work. That's really and cool. Even when it, and even when it doesn't work, at least they know that they've really, you know, left no stone unturned, sure. right? That they can walk away feeling like they worked hard and they know they that maybe it just wasn't right to stay together, which is sad when that happens. But I still feel like it's an important process to be a part of. Sure. And they did what they could. Right. Yeah. That's great. So tell us a little bit about your practice. Do you do mostly couples, all couples? How does that work? So I do primarily, I would say probably 
85% couples mm -hmm. um, in my practice. We, we have a group practice. My husband and I co-own a group psychotherapy practice. So we all kind of have our different areas of specialization. And I specialize in something called the Gottman method of mm -hmm. couples therapy. So uh, John Gottman is, is a researcher. Sure. Um, the guru and, out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So he always gets overquoted as famous for being able to predict divorce with 90% accuracy. Yeah. So couples get very nervous when they come to me. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's without intervention. <laughs> I love John Gottman. And I actually did one of his trainings, a weekend training thing in years ago. And I used that information through my whole practice. I mean, mm. even in, even an individual, you can use a lot of that because so much of what people come for is come to, to therapy for, or just to see a coach or to, you know, whoever they come for relationship issues because things aren't going well in relationships. Right. So. Without a doubt. Yeah. And it's, it's a very um, concrete sort of approach, mm -hmm. which really works well. I mean, from my experience, it's like, once those sort of communication skills are solidly in place, then the sky's the limit. Then once people are speaking to each other with respect and kindness, mm -hmm. then you can really, really get to the deep underlying issues. Yeah. So, Well, thank you for sharing that with us. We're going to jump right in. And I want you to tell us a little bit about what you think harmony and humility is I mean, can you define those terms in in respect to relationship? Absolutely, yeah. I love. I just love those two words. They're beautiful words, right? Mm. Harmony, because you think of music and you think of you know a cello and a violin and mm. how they sound so much better. How much richer the sound is when you hear them at the same time. And I feel like with a relationship. You know, it's when two people are at their best, like the sum, the, the whole is better than the sum of its parts, right? Mm -hmm. Where two people are each bringing their strengths into the relationship and they are able to be their best self um, as well as being able to lean on each other, mm -hmm. um, being able to kind of be on the same team where each person is feeling like, you know, they've got some, you've got somebody in your corner that cares, somebody in your corner that's like rooting for you if you have a difficult meeting or, you know, is proud of you when, when you feel good about how something went. And I feel like with Harmony, you know, I was thinking about this idea of, I'm, I'm no musician, like I. <laughs> but that's a great but, analogy, right? Like that's such a good analogy. It's right. It's perfect mm -hmm. because. I was thinking also about empathy and harmony. Like you have to listen. If you're trying to harmonize, you have to listen to the other person. You have to notice if they go up, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna go up or down? Is your voice, you know, sounding good with their voice? Yeah, you're and in tune with each other, right? Like to go up, <laughs> right? Right. Supposed, you have to listen to them and they have to listen to you. And each person has to adjust. So it's just this amazing metaphor that you came up with. I lo absolutely love it. Oh, that's good. Okay. So let's hear some about, about humility. Right. So humility is crucial, right? Like for relationship health. So, so John Gottman uses the word accepting influence, mm -hmm. which is a really big factor of whether or not a relationship 
has longevity or whether it leads to separation and divorce. And this idea of accepting influence is that, you know, when you are hearing somebody else, are you um, taking them seriously? Are you taking their opinions into account? Um, and or the opposite, right? Are you just trying to persuade them of your opinion? And so, so when relationships work well, we have to be humble. We have to make space for people being who they are and you know, saying what they're saying. So if they're crying, let them cry. If they're having a big, big experience, it, you know, giving them space to talk, giving them space to be. Mm-hmm. And that humility is really crucial because so often we get in the way of that connection, even if we're trying to help. So if somebody's upset and you see, wow, they're in pain, you know, the humility is just listening to them mm-hmm. and not trying to solve the problem for them, not trying to jump in and tell them, every, don't worry about it, everything's fine, right? The, the real connection comes from sharing vulnerability and being real. And, and when somebody's being vulnerable with you, just how important it is to just simply be there. And it's not that hard in terms of concept, it's just easier said than done. It's a pretty simple concept, like mm-hmm. empathy. You just listen to the person and try to put yourself in their shoes. Right. But it's our ego that gets in the way, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I, I love what you're saying about humility. I think that is such a good definition and a good working definition of that. I wonder if you had thought about maybe other people's definitions or maybe what humility is not like, you know, we might think about it in a different way and it really isn't that. Do you, yeah. What do you right, think? Sort of arrogance. I think of, you know, the, the opposite of humility is, is arrogance. And also at some point, like, I'd love for you to talk about what like people might think humility is just being passive or do you know what I mean? that it's not that, that it's something different. Right, right. Like, so it's, I think the thing is, it's about having space for two people to be who they are, mm-hmm. right? So so when it's, when there's humility in a relationship, it doesn't mean a lack of respect for yourself. Yeah. So it's this, this sense of, I'm going to give you time to be you, and that doesn't mean that I'm no longer important or valuable. Mm-hmm. So it's not giving up your own needs. Mm-hmm. It's honoring your partner's needs and also honoring your own. Mm-hmm. But when things aren't going well, it's a competition where one person is sort of like kind of saying, well, yes, I know you're feeling this, but I'm feeling this, right? And right. you feel like if you don't come in with your own needs, then you feel like you're not being true to yourself. Yes. and what I feel when humility is working well, it's that each person just has a time and a space, mm-hmm. right? So if we, we could even loop that back to the, the harmony metaphor, right? Like the cello can have a solo and it's, and what is supposed to happen, right? The violin is supposed to just be quiet and let the violin be in the spotlight, knowing that the, that the cello is going to do exactly the same thing for the violin when it's, it's their turn for the solo. Mm-hmm. I and I think that, that Sometimes it's so hard to be 
just put your own needs aside for a moment, knowing that your partner is going to do the same thing for you if you do it for them. But if you don't do it for them, then you're both in a, in a pattern of competition. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think that's really true. And I think that I love the word competition. Like I have not heard that in relation to this. And I think that is so true that we get in this competition of, I need my needs met now. And then, and the other person's like, no, I need my needs met now. And we feel like we have to take care of ourselves, but in relationship, the best way, you know, the best way is to just say, I'll take care of your needs and you take care of my needs in these situations, you know, and yeah, that's great. 100% agree. 100% agree. And, you know, sometimes in this age of individuation, we feel like working on a relationship means only expressing your needs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it has to be equally listening to your partner's needs and trying to fill theirs. Absolutely. I love that. Thanks for saying that. Okay. I want to <laughs> ask why do you think it's important for our mental health, but also just in relationship and our mental health in relationship, right? To work on these things. Well, loneliness is painful and a lot of people are lonely in their own, even though they might be in a primary romantic relationship, there's still loneliness Mm -hmm. and connection isn't going to happen unless people are vulnerable with each other Mm -hmm. and vulnerability isn't going to happen unless we're humble and willing to put ourselves out out there mm-hmm. and willing to take care of our partners when they put themselves out there. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I, I mean, I know we're talking about romantic partners, but it, I don't think it's not like everybody needs a, a romantic partner. It just needs you just need somebody, whether it's a, a family member of some kind or a really, really good friend that that you have that kind of intimacy mm-hmm. that you can just be totally real and raw and they're going to be totally real and raw for you as well mm-hmm. and then that you know is going to c- bring you the connection that you need mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of other reasons too i mean you there's also all princeton did a whole um research study of all like the health benefits of being in warm, happy relationships. You live longer, you have less infections, you know, mm-hmm. um, off the top of my head, I can't remember all, all the research, but it's really astounding, um, you know, lower incidence of, of heart disease. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even within sort of corporate definitions of success, I mean, so the way that I define success has a lot more to do with happiness and love, if you have those in your lives. Mm -hmm. But if you want to define success in terms of monetary success or promotions and whatnot, you know, empathy is twice as important as both like IQ and job skills combined. So, so there's a lot of reasons why, you know, these things that aren't just mushy, mushy, like they're actually legitimately, you know, will cause you physical health, longevity, you know, success. So what I'm hearing you say really is that creating humility or like cultivating humility in our life leads us to creating harmony in our relationships. And then that is what can really make our relationships 
good, not just, and you know, even like you said, not just romantic relationships, but all relationships, all real close relationships need to have these skills developed in us, right? So that we can be healthier. I mean, not just and happier, but creating those, those two specific things, you know, humility and harmony in our relationships and in, in us, right. Can really benefit our lives all around, like our whole being. Exactly. And then, you know, you go in the world knowing that you've got somebody in your corner that cares about you. It's just so much easier to face whatever it is that you have in front of you. You know, if it's just somebody that's giving you a hard time in your community, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it feels so much different when you just know that you can go back and you can kind of process that with somebody that cares about you. That you have a person, right? Like to have a person in your corner. Yeah. I love that. And the the harmony part really is about just that you're both made space for each other to really be your best self. Yeah. I like that. I would love to hear what you have found helpful for yourself, even in your relationships and your clients in creating those or cultivating those things in your life and your relationships. Sure. Well, I'm really lucky. (laughs) I I guess some people would say lucky, maybe others wouldn't. But, you know, I'm married to another couples therapist. And, you know, we use these tools because they work. Um, And sometimes we literally like there's booklets that that I go through with my with my couples and we have them in our bedside table. And I tell my clients, you know, my husband and I use these as well, because sometimes having, you know, a structure of going through certain, you know, exercises together can help you kind of realize that you're not alone and that everybody has trouble sometimes, you know, as easy as it is to talk about, you know, of course, I'm going to put my partner first and listen to what they have to say without jumping in with my own perspective. It's, it's hard to do that when you're really upset or when, you know, when something happened that, that, you know, really, really struck a nerve. Um, so the things that I find useful when things get tricky are to stick to sort of some of those basic skills. And, and I do the same things, you know, with the clients in my office and even have some courses that I use that are sort of training people of you know, here are some ways to talk about things when you're upset and here's how to listen to somebody when they're upset. Mm -hmm. Because that empathy, that skill of empathy, if there's nothing else, you know, that is going to help you in the world, I feel like that is probably the single most important thing to remember how important it is when you're upset. Like if you take the time to think about how to say what you need to say, even if you're angry at somebody, right, you can, you don't have to be alone with that. And then it makes it more tolerable. Yeah, it takes so much intentionality, though. Right? Yes, it's not just something that comes natural to most people. I mean, in the middle of a fight, right, you don't just naturally, necessarily decide to just, well, let's take some time for empathy right now. Like We have to be intentional about how we're going to fight, how we're going to communicate, how we're going to, you know, 
ask questions and yeah, all those things. 100%. I love that word, Wendy, like intentionality is right. It, it does take some mental gymnastics mm-hmm. and some practice. But I also think you bring up a really good point about being realistic, though, of what you can do in the middle of a fight. And and 100 percent of couples fight. Boom. Deal, uh-huh. Right. Like you're the goal is not to not fight the you know, you're going to you're going to hurt your partner and your partner is going to hurt you, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know if that sounds p- pessimistic, but to me, it's kind of liberating. It's mm-hmm. like I expect that I'm going to make mistakes and I expect that the people that care about me are going to also step on my t- toes sometimes. So I think that it's much more useful to remember the, the importance of repair Right. So so if you can't be calm and intentional in the middle of a fight, it's just like, hey, I'm going to go take a break. I'm going to take the dog for a walk and let's talk about this in 20 minutes and how much that makes a difference of being able to to find that intentionality that you're talking about. Because I don't I don't know about you. I, I tend to have a lot of access <laughs> to my emotions. Right. So so for me, I sometimes I really do need that, like mm-hmm. to be able to kind of let things settle down so that I, so that I can be really careful with my language and say what I really want to say. Cause otherwise then you have to have the repair of the repair. If Absolutely. you end up kind of going back too early. <laughs> right. I don't know. I mean, I don't know about you either, but when I was younger, that was a lot harder for me. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I've been married, we've been married for 32 years. And yeah. And we've been together a long time since we were in high school. And so, and I still think he's like pretty wonderful. Aww, and, I love that. Um, but boy, I was not good at that at the beginning of our relationship. It was, it, it took me time. I was very much a, you know, when you talk about relationships, oftentimes you'll talk about one person being a, a pursuer and one person being a retreater, right? Right. And everybody who's in a relationship will know who is who in in their relationship. But I tended to be for sure the pursuer. And so I wanted to do it right now. Like I didn't, I wanted to talk about whatever it was right now, because it was very important and we all need to chat about it and tell, and I need to tell you my opinion. Right. (laughs) Because it's very strong. And if, yeah. and if you're not listening to my opinion that there's something wrong with you, right? And there's something wrong with us <laughs> and it's really bad. But and exactly. he was he was like <laughs> I need to go away and not come back for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's hard to yeah. learn those skills, you know, in relationship. But I have learned that being able to step back and take some deep breaths <laughs> and slow my heart rate down, right? And just slow everything down and come back to it. it. It's a lot easier to be able to be rational, to think with your rational mind and not just your emotional mind. Um, yep. Yeah, it is certainly a, a skill I think that people have to learn. And those people who are retreaters, right? They yes. need to learn that they have to say to their partner who's a who's a pursuer look I want to talk about this and we are going to but we need some time away we need just yeah and so I'm going to come back in an hour and we're going to chat you know like whatever it is but to give that reassurance is really important so 
Yes, I, I'm so glad that you're saying that because I, I think that's something that so many of your listeners are going to be able to relate to, you know, yeah. because most couples, you know, there is one person who's more of, you know, the person who's knocking on the door, like, can I come in, come in, come in, I want <laughs> I to talk, to like, I'm not getting any response and the degree to which you're knocking on the door, the other person is like, I need a break, I need a break, this is overwhelming me, yeah. you know? And so exactly right. So the more that that person, you know, can kind of slow down and let the person have some space, it's gonna be easier for the other person to be the one to kind of come back and say, hey, I'm ready to talk, mm -hmm. which is gonna be hard for that. It's gonna be easier for the pursuer to say, I'm ready to talk than, than the person who's, who's being pursued. but. But if each person does their work, that's the best case scenario. Yeah. And that's the harmony, right? Ah, uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's the harmony. And it takes humility in both sides to be able to just creating the empathy for the other person. And, uh, right. And, and, to be, and to remember that that other person isn't doing that behavior because they're being a jerk. They're right. doing that behavior because they need to, and it's either because they want they want to connect or they're afraid that things are going to get worse. Yeah. You know, it's rarely just because you're like, want to punish the other person and have them feel pain. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, it's not that. Mm -hmm. So, so the humility comes from being able to look beyond yourself and remember, oh yeah, my partner actually needs needs some space, not because this is not important to him, her, or they, it's because it's just what they feel, what's going to allow them to let their heart rate come back down to, to, you know, under a hundred beats per minute. Sure. And same thing, the person's not knocking on their door because they're trying to be annoying. It's because they want to connect. Mm -hmm. And so once you have that empathy, then you realize, oh yeah, that's what's happening. It's, and, and then it's easier not to take their behavior personally. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a really great explanation. Okay. I would love for you to give a couple tangible things that people could just walk away with today that will help create and cultivate that harmony and relationship and the humility. Oh, that's such a great question. It's so good to have tangible things, right? Right. We need those. <laughs> right. And and sometimes it's fun to talk about all these like, you know, dynamics, relational dynamics. But at the end of the day, what do you want me to do? Like, what can I actually do? <laughs> so I think that probably the the most concrete and helpful thing that all of us can remember to do is to ask people questions. Mm ask them questions, people that you care about, be curious about their lives. And I mean, open-ended questions, you know, not, did you remember to pick up the milk, right? Or like, not like, why are you being so stupid? <laughs> <laughs> why are you being so stupid? Why? No, 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 no not, not, not that questions. kind of question. No. Right? <laughs> um, asking, I think, questions with curiosity. Mm. There's leading questions too, right? If you really loved me, then why would why did you forget to take the garbage out when you know I wanted you to do that? That's not the kind of question either. It's like, hey, you know, what are you thinking about these days? What what are you looking forward to? Um, you know, what's stressing you out these days? How are things going with your mom? I haven't talked to you a lot. You know, those kinds of things, like actively remembering to ask people questions that are not just day-to-day -day things, and then 
listening, right? So then the humility comes next of just listening to the answers. Even if you disagree with what you're hearing, even if you, you think it contradicts what somebody said yesterday, right? To just let that person have their solo, you know, have their opportunity to just kind of tell you about a book they're reading mm -hmm. and just listen to them. And, and when we have a witness, right, then that, that's what brings the harmony because you don't, you're not alone. You read a book. Yeah, that's great. You read a book and you tell somebody else about it and then it gets even more interesting. And then, you know, after when you then they want to know how did it end what what happened and you kind of have that as an opportunity for connection and if you never asked the question because you thought oh i don't like science fiction i'm not interested in that then it's a missed opportunity mm -hmm. so asking questions asking questions and listening deeply to the answers and how will you let people know that you're actually listening <laughs> well that's a good question right so Eye contact is, is I, I think, probably, it's almost like cliche in that people know they're supposed to make eye contact, um, but it's still really important. Mm -hmm. And when somebody's telling you something um, that's, that's maybe hard to hear, you might, it might be hard to make eye contact, especially if they're getting emotional. You might sort of feel protective of them, but hang in there with the eye contact. Um, and also, you know, you can let them know that you heard them by, by using some of their own language. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to sound like a parrot. You're not going to sound like an idiot if you're like, wow, so it sounds like a really scary book, you know, or wow, it sounds like you're really interested in that. Or it sounds like, you know, your boss is being really like demanding of you lately. And just by saying back what that other person said, it's, it's actually incredibly grounding. Mm -hmm. And the more upset that person is, the more grounding, the more grounded they'll feel by hearing that at least somebody heard and understood what happened. So yeah. all of that has to happen before, you know, we talk about how empathy and understanding has to precede advice and problem solving. Mm -hmm. So by letting them know you heard them, you understand that your that their pain matters to you by using their language and, and asking relevant follow-up questions. Right. <laughs> relevant is an opportune word, right? right? That's another way that they'll know you're listening because you're like, oh, wait, is that, is that the same boss that told you this? Then it shows that you were really, like, if you're asking clarifying questions, that shows that you were following the train of their thought. Mm -hmm. And that you have been over time when you yes. can connect it to something else. And oh, yeah. it just reminded me when you were talking about the importance of feeling validated, right? And how, and Daniel Siegel, he talks about that what people need is to feel felt, mm, right? So true. To feel felt. And so when they, when you as their partner can say those things back to them, like you were just saying, you know, wow, it sounds like you are really, that's a really scary thing. Or it sounds like that was really frustrating for you. Then people will feel that you are feeling them, that you understand them. Yes. So I love that. That's great. That's, I love, I'm going to take that with me. Feeling felt mm -hmm. because I think, you know, you know what it means without even looking it up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He talks about that for, with, therapists that that is the way 
that people will connect and have the most success in therapy is when they feel felt by their therapist. And it's the same thing in relationship, right? Right. It's just this like if you can't do anything else, if you're right out of graduate school Mm -hmm. with your very first client, all you have to do is care. All you have to do is be there and care. (laughs) Yeah. And let people know you do. That's it. That's all you have to do. That's great. Can I go back to one thing about that, though? Yes. Because sometimes when I talk to people about validation, they get they feel like they're being condescending to the person with whom they're speaking. Right. Because it feel they first off, they don't want to sound like a therapist and they feel it. And and so part of the advice that I give in that situation is to to just try it first and then you ultimately will find your own voice. Right. But there's a certain amount of a leap of faith for people in the beginning, if this is new to them, where they're afraid that they're going to kind of sound like like I don't I actually really honor my partner's intellect. And I think it it almost feels like if I just say what they said said back, like they're going to think I'm treating them like an idiot. And my advice to to people is always, you know, you don't have to sound like Laura Silverstein because God knows you don't want to sound like me, but do it in your own way, your own voice. But, but try to just see what happens. And oftentimes the other partner in the room is nodding emphatically, like, that's all I want. And they're like, really? You just want me to say back what you said? And they're like, yes, like I, that is what I want. Mm-hmm. So it's worth trying, even well, if you feel a little bit self-conscious about like, almost like, like dumbing down or something. It's a, it's a, it's a weird psychological phenomenon of, of how that impacts our brain chemistry when we feel understood, you know, our hormone levels go down, our heart rate goes down, everything. It's, it's soothing. Yeah. It quiets our amygdala. That's what it does. Ah, Yeah. It's fabulous. And, and you're right. I mean, it feels awkward and weird when we haven't Uh done it before. So it feels uncomfortable because we don't know how to make that fit for us. So you do have to just try it and then say, okay, that felt really weird, but I wanted you to know and, and talk about that. And when you can do that, then that brings the harmony, right? And that, that's also humility and all of that stuff. So I I just love, I love that reminder for us too. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to say about harmony or humility or anything else we've talked about before we move on Not off the top of my head I just love the topic I really do and and I love you know the way that those two things I've been pleasantly surprised by seeing how these things like intertwine with one another mm-hmm. harmony and humility I, I I wasn't necessarily anticipating that when I saw the title of your your podcast but now that we've been talking about it it just feels like it's so clear that you really can't have one without the other Mm-mm. I love that too thank you thanks so much for all of that insight and wisdom and so let I want to hear and I want everybody else to get to hear what you have out there, how do people get in touch with you? What do you want people to know about what you're offering? Oh, thank you. Thank you for that opportunity. 
So, yeah, so I, I, at this point, I'm not taking any new clients. I know this is kind of a global podcast, but I am with, with what's been happening with COVID. It's been pretty hard, I think, to accommodate the level of, of pain out there right now. But what I've done instead is I've made some courses, some online courses, and I have four of them right now. Um, and one is a, a free empathy audio training course. And then I have a communication skills training course, which actually is a lot about what we're talking about today of like how to, how to avoid a fight in the first place and, you know, how to respond to somebody when they're being critical and how you can respond to them without being defensive, um, Mm -hmm. as well as there's a whole part in there about empathy. And I have an online um, workshop for couples, which is basically equivalent to what you would do if you were to go to a weekend workshop um, where you kind of watch a lecture, then you have a little workbook and do your exercises together. Um, And I also have a bullying course, which is sort of off topic. But, you know, if you have kids that are that are experiencing bullying, I have that as well. My website is mainlinecounselingpartners.com. And I've got a blog and little quizzes you can take to find out about your conflict style and stuff like that. I love that. I will put that link in the show notes and I know that people will want to go and connect with you there. So thank thank you you for that. Now I have three questions that I ask everybody on my podcast. So I'm excited to ask you. The first question (laughs) is, uh, we would love to know an event that changed you. Ah, becoming a mother. Oh my gosh. I, I feel like I could, you know, go on for an hour and a half about just talk about humility. Mm, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but, you know, I always knew um, that part of the reason I'm here in the world is to be a mom and to have that actualized with my two children and to be humbled by what they have taught me about the world and to be a part of the process of, of, you know, helping them negotiate the world has been extraordinary. Yeah. That's all I can really say. (laughs) It is an event that changes people for sure. Okay. The next one, next question is a person who changed you. A person who changed me would have to be my husband because he really believes in me Mm. and I'm going to tear up. Like he, Michael believes in me way before I believe in myself. Like he is my biggest cheerleader and he looks up to me and challenges me and professionally and emotionally and personally. And I just, you know, I know not everybody is so lucky to find their life partner um, who they have harmony with and humility with. And humility is sometimes hard for me, but he keeps me in check with that too. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Isn't that wonderful? I feel like I'm really, really blessed that way too. So, so fortunate. Um, Okay. The last one is a book that changed you. So, gosh, I mean, so many books, but personally, the book that changed me, the book, like when I think about, you know, the book that I've reread the most, it's this itsy little book you can read in an hour. It's called Pieces Every Step by Thich Nhat Hanh. Mm. It is so powerful. And it's, you know, really this idea of, you know, breathe, you are alive, you've got 24 hours in front of you today. And, you know, those hours are yours. But I first actually read that book at a point in my life where 
I'm, I'm kind of a sprinter and I still am. Like I just, I'm one of those people that is like, I always have a lot to do. And I feel like there's so much to do and, and exciting things that I move very, very quickly in the world. And it really, really forced me to slow down. And I, and I read it and reread it. And it's just like, you know, slow down. It was, it was the first time I was really um, exposed to this concept of mindfulness. I shouldn't say the first time I was exposed to mindfulness. It was the first time that I read the book kind of and applied it to me almost as like a go do this right now sort of book. Um, and I sat in a park and I read it cover to cover. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to do this. And every, every time I'm talking to a new client, I need to like breathe before I do that. And that was something that, you know, came from that book that I really try to apply, like to really make sure that I have a responsibility to be present with myself and present with my clients. So I'm going that's to, one of them. I'm going to put the link in the show notes and I'm going to put it on my Amazon list right now. Because <laughs> I, like I feel like I might need that exact thing. <laughs> Who doesn't, right? right? Oh my gosh. Well, Laura, thank you yeah. so much, so much for being with me today and um, with us today and sharing all of that insight and wisdom that comes from oh lots of experience. Oh my gosh, it was my pleasure. This was just so much fun and I really, really appreciate you doing this and, you know, for thinking of me, for inviting me to be a part of such an exciting and important project that you're doing. Well, we will stay in touch and I'm looking forward to hearing more from you. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. I'm so glad you joined us. Make sure to subscribe so you can get all the episodes and you can help support our podcast by clicking the support button in the show notes or going to our website, essentiallybetterlife.com. Follow me on social at Essentially Better Life and check out my website for all kinds of information on business and personal coaching, my book, and even some great stuff on essential oils. Thanks for listening. Blessings and be well, my friends.